This episode of Ear Buddies is brought to you by the North Canterbury Hunting Competition, the annual fundraiser for Rotherham School and Pool in New Zealand, uh, which was canceled, or at least the part uh, inviting children to kill feral cats was canceled uh, due to backlash. It's the North Canterbury Hunting Competition. It's a music podcast Every ep Like the one before Little pod Full of little buddies On the mic to say And how And how And how And how And how There goes old Matty with his takes like always So smart and nuanced it's a sin from Rihanna to the Peps, and on every single ep, he's my real musician pal. Good morning, Tim. Good morning, Matt. What are you up to? Oh, just working on a parody of Belle from Beauty and the Beast for our Alan Menken episode. You know, I really want to impress the army with That's this. That's great, pal. Can't wait to hear it. There goes my buddy with a heart for podcast. Love talking about the tunes with him. Never interrupts my take and owns up to his mistakes. No denying he's a real friend, that's Tim. Oh, isn't this amazing? It's another Monday, and that means our little pot ear buddy. Dropped another rousing episode into your feeds. From Taylor Swift to Black Norwegian Metal, from Bluegrass to the Juggalos, every episode's a thrill, and we won't retire until our Podcast signs us to a deal, or we start a Patreon for real, and we're certain that forever we'll be broke. Okay, yeah. Um, welcome, uh, welcome to Ear Buddies, everybody. Hello, and welcome to our show, Matt. Thank you. Thanks for hopping in on that. Oh, I of course, it. my pleasure, Tim. Absolutely. <laughs> that was, of course, uh, a well, a parody of one of one of the great tunes of the 1990s, and just one of so so many. Uh, Unforgettable tunes by who else but Alan Menken. Well, Alibaba had them 40 thieves. Sherry's out he had a thousand tales. Master, you in love. The Disney music composer. Now, Matt. Hey, Tim. This episode... Well, uh, I think it's going to be one of those where we're both just um, sweaty and out of breath and elated by the end because yeah. we're just so fired up. I'm already freaking out. Uh, and it's happening because uh, you happened to bring an Alan Menken uh, tune from Beauty and the Beast uh, as a show-and-tell uh, tune several weeks back, and it... Uh, you know, you were all riled up. Matt, kind of uh, <laughs> set the stage for us who, for those of us who, who maybe didn't hear that episode or um, just don't fully understand why in the year of our Lord 2023, you and I would be talking about Disney tunes from the 90s. Sure. Well, of course, Tim, there's no way that the entire army didn't hear and love that episode. Um, <laughs> but I get your point. That's and- true. I have to... I. <laughs> 
as I was saying it, it felt silly. Like, I'm sure if you're in the army, you're listening to every episode. Yes, of course. To completion. Right. So that's ridiculous. But I, uh, I will, I will say it. At the time, I felt mm-hmm. it was important to hang a lampshade on that topic because I have wanted to talk about these tunes and this this guy in particular for a hot minute um and why why now why us why ear buddies why are we answering this um sort of unheard call um well that's what we do first of all uh (laughs) that's true it's because we're we're public service yes yes Um, this just happens to be the service we provide today (laughs) i just tim i think that it is so deeply important that we Hmm. as a culture consciously and intentionally revisit the work of Alan Menken and uh, and see it for what it truly is which in my correct opinion is some of the best music out there period rising in the east tang as old as time song as old as rhyme For those at home who don't have Mencken's Wikipedia page up in front of you, let me just tell you, like, which uh, Disney tunes, which films this man is responsible for writing the original songs, you know, that we all know so well, but also the scores, the like the orchestral scores to to these films. I'm just going to give you the top level stuff here. The Little Mermaid. Beauty and the Beast. Aladdin. Pocahontas, Hercules, the Hunchback of Notre Dame, and he was still doing it even in 2010 with Tangled. All those days watching from the windows, all those years outside looking in, all that time never even knowing just how blind I've been. That list of, what did I say, six or seven movies. I mean, those are, you know, at least some of them are are like kind of in the all-timer list for for children's animated films. In no small part, thanks to the tunes. In no small part. I would would say almost entirely because of the tunes, frankly. Yeah, it is... uh... It's ridiculous to have to contend with um, intellectually to just kind of understand this. Um, yeah. But, w- heck, Tim, we're going to. We're going to contend with it intellectually. <laughs> he has 11 Grammys, 7 Golden Globes, uh, 8 Academy Awards, a Tony. The man um, the man has been rightly celebrated yes, in, he, his, in, he, in his time. He's bejeweled. He is simply bejeweled with these awards. And yet, Matt, I have to agree with you where in, in saying I don't think he gets enough credit for the hand that he had himself directly, yes. solely, yes. in turning the mouse into this towering Goliath that, that stands over top of all of us on our throats today in 2023. <laughs> like, it's pretty much Alan Menken's fault. Like, Bob Iger would, would be working at a at McKinsey, if not for yeah. Alan Menken. He'd be serving $2 pizza slices at Sam's Club. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. No. That is it. Alan made the mouse. He made the mouse. She's here, shining in the starlight. Now she's here, suddenly I know. If she's here, it's crystal clear. I'm where I'm meant to go. Where do you start with this guy? If I may offer you a prompt, Matt, um, because I I think you probably have um, more gushing to do about Alan Menken than I do. Um, I happened upon uh, 
really the most amazing video uh, the other day in preparing for this episode. And it's a 10-minute clip of Alan Menken. Um, all right, here. Sitting at a piano, he was clearly invited to some sort of master class or something. And they gave him 10 minutes to churn through as many of his, like, hits uh, as he could. And this video, Matt, it's one of the most marvelous things I've ever seen. Like, one of the most powerful 10-minute clips I can conjure up in my imagination. Because, you know, it's, of course, it's fun to see the man performing his own music. And it's fun to see them stripped down to just a piano and voice. Yes. But it's unfathomable that one dude could have ownership over this many all-timers. And then to just bang them out back-to-back, to-back-to-back, the way he does here, it's... I mean, it is like watching a nuclear explosion through little goggles on a far on an island, you know, <laughs> 200 yards away. Tim, uh, it really is. I know the video to which you refer. Um, I have seen it a number of times. It's like, look, Tim... Uh, not to not to come out swinging too hard too soon, but I'm sure I have almost definitely mentioned on this pod, and if not, definitely many times in real life. A while ago, there was that Peter Jackson documentary about the Beatles, and mm. the the clip that was so widely shared was Paul uh, coming up mm-hmm. with the lick, uh, well, for kind of the bones of Get Back, right yes. in the studio, which is cool. Uh, but I'm yep. a real musician. That doesn't thrill me. That's how you write a song, fellas. I mean, that's just how it goes. It's a it's a great tune, but that's yeah. how it's done. This video of Mencken rip roaring through, <laughs> just smash after smash, is is more spiritually rewarding to me than that by mm. far. Because Tim, this man has ownership. Of of IP that uh, yes. um, has yes. has shaped the world. I mean, it's shaped it shaped so many young minds that it has shaped the worlds. Because you know what they say about the youth and the world and how they're connected. Uh, it is it's crazy to to watch this and hearing hearing hit after hit and and having to simply tell yourself, oh, this was this is also his. Um, he also came yes. up with this out of nowhere. He's he's made the mouse, frankly, probably trillions of dollars. Probably, and yes. It, it it it's it's it bottles the mind, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Too. It just bottles it. It's, it. I'm my mind is just totally bottled. Our guest, be our guest, but our service to the dust. Tie a napkin around your neck, sure, and we'll provide their soup to jour at all He's yes, he is ripping through these tunes. Again, he's on a time limit, and so he's kind of like he's taking them all a little too fast, and he's kind of uh, singing them in a pedestrian way, just sort of yada yadaing his way through <laughs> these songs. And to to hear it that way um, almost gives me like a deeper level of respect for these songs that all of us know so well. Yeah, as um, it should. It it reveals to me um, how much, like, identity and personality are imbued in these melodies and chords and lyrics. I mean, I know he's, he's not the lyricist in, in all these cases or whatever, but somehow, somehow, these melodies are like conversational they're like quick and flowing and logical and yet they're also like timeless like they were plucked out of a sacred temple yes 20,000 years ago yes um unbelievable tell me princess now when did you last let your heart decide I can open your eyes take you Tim now was, was was your prompt for me simply to sort of 
freak out for a minute, or or did you have? <laughs> well, no, thank you. I, I think my prompt really is, um, if you could, if you could dive into his craft a little bit, and like what makes what makes Mencken special compared to people who are doing, you know, Lin Manuel Miranda, if. If we have to, uh, you know, pit two giants against one another. <laughs> sure, and sometimes um, we do. And sometimes we do. Or, you know, anyone who's writing show tunes or, or musical music like this, at the, you know, what puts Mencken a cut above the rest? It's interesting because Alan is so obviously a master craftsman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that when you are that good consistently... Not even consistently, literally always, at, at your chosen craft, it's easy to um, to overlook that. And especially for a guy like, like Alan, who is 73 years old, right? He's been mm-hmm. in the game a long time. His Wikipedia page doesn't even have an artistry subheading, which, huh. which is baffling to me. But then you think, well, it wouldn't. Right, because he is not—he's not one of the young up-and-comers. He's such a mainstay. He is such a totem in the culture that we just take it for granted. And and the up-and-comers are the ones who get the artistry tabs that say, you know, such and such was inspired by Alan Menken. Yes, like, absolutely. He, absolutely. He made the mold that so many people are trying to fit into now. Yes, he one hundred percent did. And that being said. It's 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 hard to to talk about the the je ne sais quoi and the the identity part of why his his tunes work, but mm-hmm. it's also difficult I think to really bore into why he is the king. Because on our on our uh, thrift episode Tim on our educational episode yes. where we talked yes. about sort of how music works the way it does mm-hmm. uh, we talked about melody um, yes. and and again not to go too crazy too soon but melody is a intangible uh, gift always and somehow he nailed it every time in a way that is... It's a little bit weird to listen to the new Disney stuff and the new Disney songs mm. because not that they're not good in their own right, um, but you have people like, hey, Lin-Manuel and the songwriting team Pasek and Paul, right? Um, and these are very good writers, but... The thing about a good Disney song is that it comes to you, it comes at you uh, yes. from the silver screen, and it is like it's like it's always been there. Do you know what I mean? I do. Like it's like it's I do. always been in your bones since the day you were born, and that is why Disney is such a powerhouse. That's why Alan Menken. It's all je ne sais quoi with him, I think. Like, cause he, he's a craftsman, right? I don't, I don't even know if he would be as complimentary toward his own work as as we are right now. But sure, he had and has something that people try to imitate, and it clearly, obviously, cannot be replicated. It, it can't yes. be. It, Tim, if I may, if I may, please. You're familiar, I'm sure, with the. The sometimes, well, often derogatory term, Disney adult. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to just put forth that that's because of Alan. The reason Disney adults exist <laughs> is in large part due to the work of Alan Menken. How about that? Go. What, what do you? Okay. What do you got? A hundred percent. Couldn't agree with, more with you. Uh, to pick up the the thread a little bit here, what Mencken is doing is not just writing a great tune. You know, it's. I mean, that's that's obviously the the core of it. But the way it's ultimately experienced, as you said, Matt, is via that silver screen 
with the right animation and obviously the right lyrics from from his collaborators like Tim Rice and Howard Ashman and everything, um, the whole package ultimately is so cohesive. It's so perfect. And and you know I have a limited understanding, I guess, of of how movie music you know how how the visuals and the audio get married but my understanding is that in most cases the the music comes first um he he set those movies up to succeed in such a, a an amazing way you know he he does all the work lays out the red carpet for the animators and the lyricists and everybody to come in and just, you know, spike the football. It's perfect. And as a result, Matt, you and I and, you know, so many millennial types, right? We grow up on this stuff. You know, this is this is the sugar in our diet. What a freaking rush, dude. I can still I can still think, I mean, you know, I don't know that I would call myself a Disney adult, but I would say that I think about being a kid, you know, of like six or seven or eight or nine and seeing Aladdin for the first time and hearing those songs and Hercules. Like, I was in love with Hercules. I often dreamed of a far off place where a great warm welcome will be waiting for me, where the crowds will cheer when they see my face and the voice keeps saying this is where I'm meant to be I will find my way I can go the distance I'll be I can still I still know the like deep in your guts feeling the sensation of seeing that stuff as a small child and it was so good it was so perfect that of course <laughs> of course there are people out there Matt who whose lives you know still in their 30s and 40s revolve around trying to to recapture yes. that first high yes trying to feel like that again man it is absolutely it is ridiculous like you know they they say the scientists and the whatnots <laughs> say that smell <laughs> is the the sense most closely associated with memory, which, in my experience, yeah, that adds up. Because often you'll mm-hmm. catch a whiff of something, and deep in your lizard brain, there's some sort of some yeah. sort of jolt, right? And right. Uh, so, fair play to the scientists and the whatnots. But <laughs> a a melody, a song, a tune, man, hmm. from your freaking childhood <laughs> and 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 it's not it's not some little lullaby and it's not some Travis Tritt tape that your parents played it is yeah. it is a world ending world class piece of work piece of art that's going to stick to your ribs no matter what i don't want this i didn't intend for this to be a defense of disney adults uh, but <laughs> But that is that's one of the best feelings in the world, I would say. You know, oh, that yeah, first dude. that first hit right to the cerebral cortex, just just pure bliss. Just the best thing you've ever heard. Paired with some of the most amazing things you've ever seen on the television, obviously, yes. right? Yes. Uh, yes. It doesn't not make sense to me to chase that feeling. I, I I mean I'm not addicted to that, but I I certainly get it. We are the muses, goddesses of the arts, and proclaimers of heroes. Heroes like Hercules. Honey, you mean Hercules? <laughs> I'd like to make some sweet music. Our story actually begins. Hercules, that entire soundtrack is gospel. Back when the world was Right, it's, it's gospel yes. tinge because they are talking about the story is about gods, right? And they yes. and they weren't gonna do ancient Greek music, but here's a twist: uh, gospel. 
And The Lion King had African instruments, and Pocahontas had Native American instrumentation, all incorporated so seamlessly into these scores and these songs that uh, it, it's... We haven't even talked about the scores. No, exactly. no, no. I know that there's too much. <laughs> and And basically, I guess what I'm saying is that living life as a Disney adult seems yeah. pretty great actually so what are we doing oh what are yeah <laughs> i've talked into it all of a sudden definitely uh we we can talk about how um unknowable a perfect melody is right and how somehow alan menken is tapped into this you know this impossible sort of ethereal plane that allows him to pluck these gorgeous melodies these perfect constructions out of the ether um we can talk about that but we should also talk about the fact that this man can put in the work and you know score all these films every bit of you know background music for these 90 minute movies it, that's all mankin and it's all perfect it's all expanding on the themes and the melodic ideas Ugh. and the mo- the motifs that he establishes in in the big uh, showpiece songs and you can turn on this you can turn on the score and just enjoy like a an incredible symphonic work on top of the fact that it has like six ultimate banger you know pop songs in it that's unbelievable that the the range and the total mastery of music composition that he has I, there's there's nothing to say about it really except no. to just sit back and cry. Tim, it's like in my uh, in my solo. This is fun. We have enough episodes now, Tim, where we can we can refer back to older <laughs> ones. It, it, yes. In my uh, solo episode about God only knows, I was talking mm. about the Beach Boys and how people have have sort of absolutely been influenced by Brian Wilson and his work, uh, and mm-hmm. often try to emulate, imitate, rip off, whatever. And and in my opinion at the time, and, and still now, it cannot be done. It can't be done. Mm-hmm. And in the mm-hmm. same way, I have not heard anything even close to the level of what Mencken did from like 1989 to 2010. To be able to write this sort, this like deeply complex, intricate, delicate arrangement, yes, you know, and 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 modulate and change tempos and and change themes and go back to different motifs, and still have like a song that five-year-olds are singing. Yeah, dude. That we, you know, we all thought "Let It Go" was a big deal several years ago, but like. Nah, come on. I mean, part of your world was what we were singing around the campfire at at six years old. You know, I mean, that's I I don't know what to say, Tim. I don't know what no. to say and, about this. And anyway, Matt, to your point, uh, Frozen and Encanto and Moana and any of these any of these other you know more modern uh, Disney uh, movie musicals. All I'm saying here is to prop up Mencken, not to put anyone else down. Sure. But, um, the people who write the songs for those movies, by and large, are not the same people who composed the scores. Mm. Tim, really quickly, could you tell uh, our the army the difference between a song and a score? And I know we know, but I just want to—I just want to yeah. make sure we're all on the same page. Of course, a song being something sung, right? So it's it's the uh, it's the one jump ahead and Arabian Nights and Friend Like Me and everything from Aladdin. Those are the songs. But then, you know, between the songs, you're also hearing, like, orchestral scores. That's, um, you know, that's the score. Um, just the, the incidental orchestral music that accompanies everything else you see on screen. There you go. Tim, that is, that is such a... As I'm thinking about it, that might be a real big part of it. That might be part of mm. the, the magic... Of Disney, of the mouse, the magic of the mouse, as they say, <laughs> that's yes. that's missing for me now. And part of it is because I'm an adult man, right? 
I get that. <laughs> sure, yeah. However, yes. however, for example, let's say Beauty and the Beast, right? Yes. The songs are fully cohesive with the score. The score is fully cohesive with the songs. You are hearing echoes and foreshadowings and and uh, yes, uh, yes, different elements of the songs. These melodies that are already in your head as you're listening. That's right. In the score, and it's in the background, and it's a little a little oboe doing something, right? And you're watching the movie, (laughs) right? And you're not. you know, unless you're, you, you might sit down and listen to the soundtrack, you should. But you're watching the movie, and the emotion and the story and the narrative and everything makes so much sense. Because yes. Alan did all of it, and yes. he knew he knew what he was doing. He understood the assignment, Tim, in a way that, oh, dude. Uh, I mean, there's, there's, there's no comparison. And now, again, so yes, I, I wanna, I wanna uh, reiterate, not to put anyone down. No, the uh, people writing for Disney stuff today are uh, top of the pops, great at what they do, definitely. But when you divorce by necessity mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. songs from the score. It will not be the same. It will not be as good. I couldn't agree with you more on this, dude. Couldn't agree with you more. I'm running out of... I mean, I think <laughs> I think we should take a break because we're going to come back and share uh, our individual top three Alan Menken tunes. And I'm sure going through those lists are going to, uh, you know, pull pull more gushing yeah, out of us. Yeah, they'll so. wear us right out. Okay, fair enough. You know what? <laughs> I, think we've, I think we've mounted a solid defense... Uh, well, you didn't need a defense. A solid, uh, what's the term? Uh, you know, you know what I mean. Of Alan we, Menken. We, whatever it is, Matt, we mounted we did a solid it. We one. accomplished it. All right. Beautiful. Ear Buddies will continue in a moment. This episode of Ear Buddies is brought to you by the North Canterbury Hunting Competition. Matt. Hey, Tim. Uh, here we are uh, advertising for a, um, uh, a festival or a, a sort of ritual in, uh, in beautiful New Zealand, which um, has some... Uh, well, they have they have an interesting idea here, Matt, and it has to do with killing cats. And I gotta say, I'm generally pretty good about temporarily suspending my own feelings or, or perhaps even my morals and uh, ethics uh, when it comes to these ad reads. <laughs> yeah. um, but listen, as soon as uh, as soon as I see uh, you know in the in the lead paragraph for this particular ad read something about killing. Um, cats for a cash prize. I gotta say, I'm I'm having a little difficulty with with this one. What's why are we, what's what's going on here? Why are we oh, doing buddy. this? Okay, look, no, no, uh, fair. I I totally get where you're coming from. Um, I will say that I think for this one, buddy, you gotta you gotta man up. You you have to. <laughs> I, there's no other way to say it. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Look. We look at a headline and it says something like "killing cats," and we mm-hmm. think, "Oh, well, this is terrible. This is horrible. What? How can we? There's no way. Not a good conscience. Certainly no. Right? <laughs> uh, fair enough. 
But what you need to understand is that yeah. <laughs> is that New Zealand has uh-huh. a, a a very unique and very fragile um, ecology, mm. right? They um, they've got all kinds of crazy animals over there. They've got. <laughs> They've got, you know, things that have pouches and things that have duck bills and poison spurs. It's nuts. It's like God's playground. But here's the thing with God's playground. What with one thing and another? Um, You know, colonialism, etc. There have been these invasive species introduced to the fragile ecology of New Zealand that the people of New Zealand cannot and should not have to Mm. abide. They have rats and weasels and all kinds of critters, varmints, eating their crops, killing their livestock, ruining Uh the shoot for the Lord of the Rings. Right? Sure. <laughs> you know how it is. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> and is this an ad for Bezos? Did I not realize? <laughs> is Bezos bankroll in this one? <laughs> no, this is this is different. Um, <laughs> but what you need to understand, and what the army needs to understand, is that uh, these cats are... They are invasive. They are a species... They're not like a. Now that just feels. See, that's. You say that, Matt. You say that. You say the cat is invasive. And, and I'm, I'm here with you, man. I'm trying, I'm trying to man up here, but I'm looking at a picture of just a cat right now, a feral cat. And I got to say, it looks like I could just pet it and, you know, maybe just like shush, 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 shush it away. Right. From whatever it's like trying to eat or kill. Sure. And I think we'd be just fine. It's a cat, Matt. Well, that's that's my point, Tim, is that it's a cat. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I see. No, look, uh, Tim, obviously, no, this, is, this is a delicate line to walk where we are asked by our sponsors to do certain things. And uh, no, thank you. You're right. I need to. Here's, I need to check myself a little bit here. <laughs> your your emotion. Uh, and your compassion and your moral compass is, as always, uh, commendable, admirable. <laughs> but what I'm saying, and, and I, this is—it's not even like a personal, closely held belief. I'm just trying to do right by the people of New Zealand. Well, yeah, and the and the North Canterbury hunting competition. Yes, yes, yes. Right. More specifically, yes. Uh, <laughs> what I know is that. These 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 animals, these critters, can often be cute. Like you see a little yeah. raccoon with their little hands washing their little the little oh. in their little stream, right? Matt, what I wouldn't do to to befriend a possum. Well, that's what I mean. Adorable, yeah. right? They're 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 so cute, and you could take one of them in, into your bed and, and cuddle them up all night and <laughs> ha- eat some popcorn with them, right? <laughs> I know where you're coming from, Tim. And yeah. and let me also say, I believe that this is where the people who uh, started this backlash, this is also where they're coming from. These are cute animals. They're basically like pets. Because the thing about a feral cat, Tim, I don't know if you know yeah. this, it's, it's not, it's different. It's, it's a unique uh, kind of animal. It's the same species as a domestic house cat most mm. of the time however they are feral uh, it's kind so, of a pet it's kind of a stephen king pet cemetery situation right it comes back different yes it's a lot like that that's exact that's well put as always like it's it's not a you know a bobcat or like a jaguar or something like that it's <laughs> it looks it looks like like your little your little tabby cat, or like one of those cats yeah. and Aristocats, and so yeah. But this thing is bloodthirsty. It's, actually, it's like it is. Though. This thing is it's t- it's trying to leap at at your your livestock's throat. Yes, like it is. It's killing your. It chickens. wants that cow dead. And yes, your chickens it's, and everybody. It, whatever it can get its its jaws on, uh, it will try to destroy. The, and there's so there are too many of them, and so mm-hmm. Tim. 
Tim, the only thing that you can do is shoot him between the is, eyes. Is, <laughs> is, is, right, hand a rifle to your 12-year-old. That's right. <laughs> and say, here's the safety, turn that thing off, and get out there. <laughs> Go don't get come yourself back. some pelts. I don't want to see you again until you you're holding fifteen dead feral cats I by want the you tail, covered in cat blood. That's right. Um, but of course, Tim. So that that's my explanation to you. Um, yeah, and frankly, you've convinced me for what it's worth. <laughs> oh, good, good, uh, good, good. But apparently, the um, you know vox populi vox dei. Am I right, Matt? <laughs> well, you said it. And how <laughs> backlash. To the uh, cat culling kid competition, cut short the uh, the North Canterbury hunting competition. At least the cat killing portion, that's off now. They were going to give two hundred fifty New Zealand dollars, which comes out to one hundred fifty five USD, to whichever kid could you know could off these cats at the most efficient rate um <laughs> age 14 and under <laughs> but but again the general public heard about this they saw you know getty images pictures of sweet little kittens sitting yes. on hilltops yeah and they were duped like i was originally yes they reacted thinking, much like you did tim yeah think thinking this seems um this seems cruel this seems irresponsible should we give a nine-year-old a pistol um <laughs> with with the express purpose of killing as many cats as they can <laughs> in a 48-hour period uh the public said no and what i've learned recently is that what the public says goes so no. that's that that's a wrap on the uh, the cat killing portion of this uh competition tim let me say there is something hilarious about giving a child a gun and saying kill as many as many cats every one of them whatever crosses your path it it needs to be dead kill it four legs pointy ears shoot <laughs> four legs bad it's two legs good that's right yeah that's oh right. it's it's just it, it charms me it really does <laughs> i don't know what else to say makes you makes you want to spend a couple days in new zealand just to see what's going on over there it really does. <laughs> all right kid you're six listen up we got 150 US dollars on the line here. And yes, I know you have one of these cats at home, but it's a different kind of cat. So kill Just that trust one. me. Yes. This one came back different Stephen King style. Shoot it. Came it. back different. Don't think don't think about it any more than you need to, kid. Do that's, you want 150 um, USD or not? That's New Zealand. That's the North Canterbury hunting competition. Or it would have been. But I think they're still doing other portions of the uh, the event, you know, related to, you know, the muskrats and yeah, and the whatever else, yeah, yeah, the possums and and the rabbits and everything. like those are still going down. Uh, I don't know if it's, <laughs> I don't know if it's thirteen uh, year old kids who will be doing uh, that cull or if it's going to be left it, strictly to the adults. I think it is, buddy. I think it is still the kids. <laughs> They're they're gonna do. Well, it. hey, that's why. <laughs> respectfully, that's why you go to New Zealand. That's why you. That's why you live there because of freedoms afforded to you like that. You know, we talk about gun culture in the United States. <laughs> Doesn't hold a candle to New Zealand. It sounds like no. Uh, it's I think different priorities. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyway, oh. <laughs> uh, that's the North Canterbury hunting competition. Grateful that they, um, well, they gave us 150 US dollars for this ad. So um, we didn't have to kill anything for this. Yeah. That's why we prefer the gentle life of podcasting. It's the North Canterbury hunting competition. <laughs> Thank you.
Welcome back to Ear Buddies, and welcome to a very special edition of Show and Tell. So much good stuff to say about Alan Menken that uh, Matt and I decided to to bring our personal top threes to the show. So Matt, let's let's do this. I don't know if we're going to have overlap or what the what the story is here, but yes. give me your bronze your bronze medalist. Uh, of Alan Menken tunes. Okay. All right. Yes, again, uh, to the Army, we have not discussed this prior. Uh, it's all above board. We're just going to go for it. Um, That's right. I have as my bronze medalist, I suppose, because we must sort of order them somehow. That's, that's the way it works, yeah. Um, that's content. <laughs> that's right. I have... Just around the river bend. Excellent. What I love most about rivers is you can't step in the same river twice. The water's always changing, always flowing. But people, I guess, can't live like There is so much going on second to second oh. in his stuff. Oh. Do you know what I mean? I absolutely know what you mean. There's not a wasted microsecond just around the river bend obviously the the smash from this one is colors of the wind but just around the river bend is to me one of the most like thrilling songs mm. and and paired with I'm imagining it in my head right now. I'm sure many of us are. Yeah, dude. Uh, exactly what she's doing, taking that canoe, just going. This is Pocahontas, right? This is who she is. This is what she's looking for. And she's mm. reckless as all hell. And she is willing to uh, just do whatever it takes uh, to get that, you know, to get that satisfaction. And so I know yes. that this one um, is not the the showstopper, but it the the instrumentation too, Tim. Man, the yeah, dude. He, like again, and the chords. He's, he's uh, it's it's so good. The verses are so uh, like you mentioned much earlier, conversational and so chattery. Yes, right? yes. But yes. then that that chorus, as always, as ever, comes out of it comes out of nowhere and it comes exactly where it, like from what it was, you know, born from. Simply yeah. simply a beautiful song in a whole movie of beautiful songs. It it gets my heart rate up, man. I'll tell you what. And not just because Pocahontas is so beautiful. <laughs> do you mean do you mean the woman? Oh, Yes. <laughs> I mean the animated yeah. Disney princess Pocahontas. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's who I'm sure. referring to. I, right. Okay. I didn't know if you meant like the, the animation style of the film itself. Well, I mean, all, of it, just, all of it. All of it. The whole all thing. All of it. Yeah. Everything but she the historical look. story. Yes. Yeah. Sure. She does look really good, though, in this flick. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> my bronze medal, sorry, is Colors of the Wind. Ooh, nice. Okay. Oh man, this is such a good tune. You think I'm an ignorant savage And you've been so many places I guess it must be so But still I cannot see If the savage one is me How can there be so much that you don't know? You don't know so yeah, it starts with that like free melody, like free lyrical piece mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. you know, even even those you could call that like a throwaway section is perfect. That's like the, that, I know what you mean. That's the sound of a man who knows exactly what he's doing and exactly how he's getting there. Definitely. Has a spirit, has a name. Are the people who look and think like you? But if you walk the footsteps, I, you know, perfect verse, leading to the chorus that just, 
Oh, buddy. Have you ever heard the wolf cry to the blue corn moon? Or ask the grinning bobcat why he grinned? Can you sing with all the voices? I'm just, I'm just getting full body chills. Just like with uh, Just Around the River Bend, the chorus um, is exactly what it must be. Mm-hmm. And yet it still slams into you like a freight train. And the notes and the swelling of the instrumentation and the chords that are tr- that are underneath it, it's it is a mad rush of like just yes full body chills like sensational writing. It's um, it's it's sensational. I know this was a long time ago, and this is I'm I'm forgetting the uh, verbatim quote that I used to have sort of on lock, but mm. in. Leonard Bernstein's uh, Joy of Music. He talks about Beethoven and how uh. his his genius was in um, basically knowing what the next note simply had to be. Right? Mm. Yes. That's yes. that's yes. it. That's Alan Menken. Like there was nothing. There was never any other option. It had to be this. It is perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. It's evocative. You know, Stephen Schwartz doing the lyrics. Yes. Um, it's all, it is, again, it's this perfect fusion of every single sensory element that you're experiencing as you're, as you're watching this. Yeah, man, it's the kind of thing that, of course, you know, one would be 50 years old and still trying to chase this high. It's incredible. Yep, I get it. Oh, beautiful. I get it. Beautiful choice. What's your uh, what's your silver medalist? Sure. All right. Um, silver, Tim. It's going to have to be "Kiss the Girl" from Little Mermaid. <sighs> Percussion, <sighs> strings, winds, words. There you see her sitting there across the way. Don't got oh a lot Lord. to say, but there's something about her. Overwhelming, dude. It's per- it's perfect. It is. I need to. I need to. Uh, I need to talk about this for a second. Please. The, there is a a an issue unique to musical songs. And uh, sorry, when, when I, I say musical, I mean theater, right? Theater, yeah, like musical uh, theater. Yeah, musical theater songs where. The performance of a given song is often um, uh, tangled up in the in how people perceive the quality of that song. And sure. Yes. I, of course it is. Of course it is. Nothing wrong with that. I get it. However, this song is sung by Sebastian the Crab, and <laughs> and I mean, yeah. Well, come on. Uh, if you. If you can see or hear around that um, mm-hmm. and understand this song for what it is, maybe listen to Ashley Tisdale's version. <laughs> That's just if you want to. This song is so, it is literally perfect, in my opinion. The verse melody. Boy, you better do it soon. No time will be better. Into yes. the cor- chorus melody, like I, it I is. I, I don't. I don't know what to say. Where words fail, music speaks. I, I, <laughs> I've been doing this a lot this episode, but it's, it's because like this is. It's the magic of Disney. It's the. It's the magic of Mencken. Really, this song is such a perfect like pop tune man oh dude yeah it's a blues it's a blues progression it is it's a calypso song man like it's it, the it blues is. it is it is and again menken understood the assignment he knew what he was writing for this is the wrong word but he's not forcing his sort of proclivities and worldview into this stuff he knows that a story is being told man 
And, yeah, dude. And his music needs to serve that, and not only serve, but elevate it. And he did that every single time. Because you're right, it's a blues progression. It's a pretty simple thing in and of itself, all told, right? Yes. But, yeah. my goodness, that is... No one has done it better. What a tune. Great choice. Number two, for me, comes from what I think is my my personal... You know, millennial boy, uh, favorite Renaissance Disney film, Aladdin. We talked a little bit earlier about how much of a pro Mencken is at dropping you into the correct uh, setting. It's Calypso and and sort of ocean sounds in Little Mermaid. Um, it's sort of the earthiness of, of Pocahontas and, and the Native American influence. It's all these, you know... Uh, how good he is at setting a scene. And so I feel like I must choose one jump ahead from Aladdin. <sighs> you know, Mencken, Mencken sets you into Agrabah with utmost perfection. You know, the right instrumentation and everything. But then what does he do, Matt? Gotta keep one jump ahead of the breadline, one swing ahead of the sword. I he charms you with a show tune. Dude, it is a show tune. Oh, oh it's a man. show tune. Just a little snack, guys. And now, listen, right, like, we, like you said just a second ago, uh, we often judge a song like this on the merits of the performances that we get and make no mistake these are expert performances yes i blame parents except he hasn't got gotta eat to live gotta still to eat tell you all about it when i got the time the performers everything's right there on the page for them do you know what i mean yes yes like, yes yes they are they are pitched a gentle softball, and they knock it out of the park. Yep, uh, easy. And it's and the softball comes from Alan Menken's writing. He puts so much character into every little, you know, one-off character line, uh, and you know you get you you know Aladdin so freaking well by the end of this two minute and twenty two second sequence in this film. You know what what his deal is, of course, first of all, but you also like know the intricacies of his personality. You know his charm. This is a charm song, you know what I mean? Mm. Like this gives you again no microsecond wasted. How could you possibly It's crazy to think of how well you know Aladdin, Agrabah, the whole deal of this film yes. after just this one opening track. And it and <laughs> like you, uh, it t- is 2 minutes like, and 22 seconds. It takes no time. Yeah. yeah, and it's catchy. You know, it's a great song to top it all off. I give this one the silver medal because I think the song rules and I also think it is like a powerhouse display of Mencken firing on all cylinders. And and understanding the assignment, bro. He knows he's writing for a children's cartoon movie musical. Yeah. And, oh. and he sets up the movie for success perfectly with that tune. It is rollicking. Oh, man. Last thing I'll say about that one, because that was on my short list, is the, the motif, the melodic motif that runs through Aladdin... I mean, and this could be said about uh, basically any Disney movie that Alan Menken has been a part of, but the um, da 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 Okay, come on. So obviously, man. Sometimes late at night, if I've had a few, I think literally just about those notes in a row. Like, it's stunning. But again, like, even in this uh, rollicking show tune, 
where so much is going on, different voices, yes. you know, modulations, tempo changes, the rhythm, nothing is the same for longer than yeah, man. two or three bars, right? My shot by Hamilton found dead, you know? Exactly. No chance. <laughs> and, Come on. And yet, even in this, he takes the time to give us that motif. Mm. It is stunning. It is, it is craftsmanship at the level that I have not seen before or since. So, uh, no way, great, dude. great choice. Your gold medalist, please. Now, Tim, obviously this is very difficult. Um, of course. But, oh boy. I love... Oh, man. Music? <laughs> I just love <laughs> music so much, buddy. I really do. <laughs> And I love talking about it with you here on this pod. But I love the the movie Hercules. Um, I have some some real, you know, <clears throat> childhood memories associated with that. My brothers and my cousin and I would watch it every single year for like, yeah. I don't know, 25 years. And I do yes. basically have it uh, memorized. Um, mm-hmm. So, I am going to offer for my gold medalist the song, I Won't Say I'm In Love. It's mine, too. (laughs) That's mine, too. That's perfect, actually. I guess I've already won, but no man is worth the aggravation. That's ancient history, been there, done that. Tim, uh, tell me, tell me how you're feeling about this tune, bro. I am in heaven when I hear this. No chance, no way. I won't say it. No, no. Susan Egan, first of all, as Meg. You know, we gotta give it up. We gotta give it up. The first. And honestly, last sultry Disney princess. Oh my! Give me goodness. a break, dude. Oh yeah, my they... <laughs> goodness! <laughs> and the muses, you know, having the having this uh, this perfect gospel choir accompanying her, just on paper, this song is flawless. Yes. It's genius, absolute grand slam. This chorus melody, Matt. Oh, buddy. Careful. No chance, no way. I won't say it. No, no. It's the it's it's like the coolest sunglasses on flex. It is so of a Disney song there has ever been. It is. It is. Uh, what's what what kills me about this tune is yeah. that like I mean everything the arrangement you know. It's it's obviously uh, inspired by like you know sort of nineteen fifties doo wop ish girl group sure you know. the Ronettes yes yes yeah. and it it the the backing vocals are so deeply a part of the song there's no way yes. to do it without them and right. but then if you if you really get into the nuts and bolts uh, it's it's an easy chord progression it is a it is like a doo-wop chord progression, right? It's nothing special, yeah. really. But it reminds me, Tim, a little bit. And I'll, I'll, I'll do this one last time, and then I'll, I'll try not to again this ep. But Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys was, oh, sure. was obsessed with uh, Phil Spector's um, record, Be My Baby by the Renettes, right? Uh-huh. And, yep. and to hear him tell it kind of constantly was trying to uh, make something that was as good as that. And in my opinion and the opinion of many other uh, fans and, and listeners, I suppose, um, he did that many times over. Like, Brian Wilson knocked that song out of the park. And yeah. not to not to be the worst here, or ahistorical, <laughs> or not respecting of uh, the past, but this song, I feel like Alan listened to some of the uh, Ronettes or some doo-wop and said, let's get something, yes. let's try and make something as good as this. And then 
destroyed it. This is surpassed it completely. It, there's, yes. there's nothing. There's nothing else to say. Like it's it's so so good. Oh, I mean it's it is the it is the high that we are you and I and every Disney loving adult and every composer of movie music and everybody has been chasing since 1997. Yep. We haven't reached it again. I no, we, it's, we have it's not. It's too good. It's too good. That's Alan Menken. Do you think he'd ever come on the pod? Tim, uh, I believe that there is some sort of benevolent force in the universe, and I think that whatever force that is listens to your buddies. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hmm. keep my fingers crossed. We're, we'll do our best. It's all we ever do. <laughs> and how. Talk to you later, pal. Talk to you later, buddy. Bye.